Thanksgiving. Yeah? A little bit smaller crowd. Either I scared some people away last week, or everyone's still, like, uh, suffering from a food coma, right? I ate so much last night, and then, uh, then, you know, you fill up on the dinner, and then after that, there's dessert. And then so I got the dessert, and then I, I'm the type of person who I don't drink any beverage while I'm eating. I just, like, try to, you know, I just kind of consume the food, and then I have the beverage, and then I'm just sick after that, and I got to, like undo the pants, I'm like, ugh, just sitting on the couch, and I was just getting all, seriously, food coma, so, um, but I hope you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm glad you're here, if you're wondering who I am, if, if you just stepped in here and you missed last week, you're like, who the heck is that, I'm the youth pastor, my name is um, Frank, um, and uh, I saw some of my high schoolers in here, and you're supporting, yes, I bribed them last week. Just with love, but you know, I still bribe them. I just say, you know, come and support. Listen, it's gonna be a good message. And so, um, we're in for a treat tonight. It's it's it is it is a message that kind of um, uh, it's it's a convictor, and uh, I feel so convicted by this message. And as I was just studying it and just diving into the word, I'm like, God, you gotta help me because, um, you know, by your standards, God, I am unqualified to teach this. And um, so if you just bow your heads with me, let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight, thank you so much. Thank you just uh, for so many things, God. I thank you that uh, we met, we overmet our goal of the Operation Christmas Child, that uh, 3,000 plus little kids are just going to be introduced to you through us. And that's, that is stellar, God. Just thank you so much. Thank you for the giving hearts of this church, Lord. I thank you that people volunteered yesterday, that we got to meet the community. And Lord, um, this is only the start of the holiday season. Lord, let it, let this season be about you and only you, God. And we just love you. Tonight, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will just, um, as rest on our hearts as, as I deliver this message, Lord, let these words be yours. And, um, God, I just really pray, Father, that we walk out changed. That we walk out just a new person, new creation um, outside of this place, Lord. And, and as we leave the doors, we, we punch in as we leave. And, um, and we minister to the people that just need you, God. Let us have your eyes. Um, prepare our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, um... Tonight's teaching, uh, it's, it's called Turning Away from Sin and Towards God. It's really a message on, on uh, combating sin in our life. Not just that, but conquering sin in our life. And um, man, I'm looking at this and I go, God, I, I, I'm not out of the woods yet. They're like, there's still things in my life, you know. I'd love to be able to come up here and say, Pastor Frank, you know, absolutely perfect. Here, follow, follow, follow what I'm doing, because what I'm doing is perfect. Did you just hear my voice crack right there? That was bad. <laughs> oh, man, start working with high schoolers, forever puberty. Anyway, um, <laughs> and as I'm, anyway, I'm looking at this, these verses, I'm looking at this teaching, and I'm like, God, I, I really wish I could come to, to church and just feel like, hey, here's what I'm doing, do this too. But to, to be honest, like, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, gosh, this is convicting me, this is convicting me, God. Um, and, and, I just, and I just come to the decision, I just say, God, I'm going to need you on this one. I'm going to need your voice. It can't be my voice because, because my voice is unqualified. And yours is, yours is perfect. And, um, and so I want to I want to really lay like a, a platform to build on tonight, just a platform to to build this teaching. Um, 
And we've got to look at how God sees things and how God views sin. And that has to be, we have to adopt that view of how he views sin. Not the sinner, okay? I want to, I want to make something super clear. As you're driving up the driveway, um, I didn't notice tonight. I, I don't know if it's, it's new holiday banners or what. But, but do you know our motto here? Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay? We promise to. Love you as is, right? Um, I've heard Carl, when I first started coming to church, I heard him say, um, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. I agree with that. You know, God, God hates, he detests, he despises sin. Thank you. Good job. Um, thank you, Matt. Um, Matt Kawamoto, one of my hardest working uh, high schoolers. He's always helping me out. Good guy. Um, as, as, as we drive up the driveway, we see Hope Chapel. We promise to love you as is. And God, God hates sin, but he loves the sinners. And, and none of us would be here in these seats right now if it, if it wasn't for that fact. Is that God just absolutely adores us. And, um, and we're going to dive into that tonight. And we, can we all agree on something right now that we're all a work in progress? That we're not going to be um, perfection until, until we stand before perfection himself. And God's going to say, you know, hopefully he looks at our life and says, you know what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, we're not going to have, we don't even have a glimpse of per- perfection yet. Um, and, and we're all a work in progress. And there's constantly, God is etching away at the things, some of the things he's uncovering slowly in your life that he needs to really uncover delicately so that he can clean it up. And some things he's just, he's just etching away, etching away every single day. Um, and and, it's, and uh, the convictions that we have in this life, and we, he's holding us accountable to that. He's holding us accountable to live a holy standard. Amen. All right. It's not about being perfect, but it's at least let's aim there. Right. Let's aim there because God says, I am holy. I call you to be holy for I am holy. And so if if I'm supposed to imitate God, then I got to start adopting his ways and his standards. Amen. And so this week, um, you might be thinking, well, Frank, what do you deal with? I deal with teasing people. Ah, yeah. Yeah. As I walk out, I don't tease you know, you guys, I don't want to be like, hey, you saw that guy. Ah. You know, like, uh, I'm not, I don't mock people overtly. But this week, I caught myself teasing someone. Ooh. Okay, I'm going to add something to it. I caught, so, caught myself teasing an old lady. Oh, yeah. Now, suddenly, that just changes things, right? Okay, um, I might offend some of you in here, but please, just bear with the entire story before you decide to walk out, okay? All right? Just, just, just sit where you're at and take the whole story. Because if I only give half the story, you're going to be like, well, I don't understand. Why was that so bad? And, and so I got to give the whole story. My wife knows what's coming up. So we're at, um, I'm not going to tell you where I was at, because what if that person was your relative and for some reason you're like, hey, I know that person. Because that's happened before in my teachings, and I will not have that happen again. We were somewhere, right? Um, and uh, we've always been, like, ever since high school, whenever we see someone strange-looking, we give the nudge, right? Anybody else with me? Anybody else do that? You should feel ashamed of yourself. Anyway, um, so we, we've always, like, kind of given each other the nudge. And um, so we're at this place, and in walks this old lady. And uh, she was missing a, a garment of clothing that's supposed to go underneath another garment that is not clear-ish, all right? And so, so I'm standing there, 
and I gotta clear my hair so you can see this. My eyes just do this. She was lacking some garmentage, and then I'm just like, and 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 then I go, Jen, Jen. I'm Filipino, so I point with my lips. I don't. But she doesn't have her glasses on, so she can't see anyway. So by default, she doesn't sin because she can't see the lady. But I'm just like... And you know what? <laughs> right then and there, God just... Shame on you. Shame on you. It wasn't like the words were... I wasn't, I wasn't going, hey, everyone, look. Look at the lady. I didn't say anything. I didn't blurt it out. But, but Jesus says, Jesus calls us on things. He says, even in the thought, it's the sin. It's because in here, something's going on and it's not of God. And I was, and he just said, shame on you. And I stopped right in my tracks and I was like, you're right, God. Who am I? Number one, whenever you see someone quote unquote strange and you point them out, you are That's your standard. You're putting your standard on them. And then you're judging them. And so immediately I'm just like, I'm, that's wrong, God. And I said, I, I, you know, I didn't get on my knees right then and there or anything. I didn't get all weird about it. But I just said, God, you're right. I repent to you. Lord, I don't know what that lady's financial status is. I don't know what she's going through. I don't know what kind of lies she's bought in in her life. I don't, I don't know anything. And who am I to declare that I'm righteous enough to declare that this lady is goofy looking? Shame on you, Frank. And I was like, where's the love, Frank? And I was so convicted right there. And to be honest, like some of you might be sitting there right now and being like, but that's not that big of a deal, Frank. You don't know what I'm going with. And the truth is, we all have our long laundry list of things that rest really heavy on our hearts. Is that you know you better than anyone else other than God. You know you, you know the things that keep you up. You know the things that go, oh, but if I could only get rid of this in my life. Some of you might be dealing with anger. Some of you might be dealing with an addiction to pornography. Some of you might be having sex and you're not married. Can I, ooh, can I, can I go there in church? I do with my high schoolers. Some of, us, some of us are dealing with drugs and alcohol and addiction, and some of us are elevating things onto the throne of God, and, and that's sin. And some of us are just turning away from God. Some of us are arresting in apathy. Some of us are just letting our faith go cold. See, you know you. You know you better than anyone else. And as I'm teaching this teaching, I know me. And sometimes we think, but if people only knew. And so I asked God tonight, I said, God, how do I teach this message? Knowing me, knowing my heart, knowing the things that I judge. I judge people, knowing this and that. How do I teach this, God? He said, quite frankly, Frank. He <laughs> just said, to be honest. You're not teaching your ways. Because your ways don't work. You're teaching my ways. You're not teaching your standards. You're teaching my standards. And so, 
I want to lay out the, the, the platform on which we're going to build tonight. And um, two verses. I want you to look at Jeremiah chapter 17. Um, it's verses 9 through 10. It should come up there. Um, I think it, it, that's verse 9. I want you to look at uh, 9 and 10. And it says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine the secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. All right. So the truth is, is that we do things that offend God. We do things that God doesn't deem right. We do things that don't deserve heaven. Whether it's teasing an old lady or doing the worst of the worst. All right. We do things that offend God. Amen? But I want you to pair that verse with something else. And I want you to pair this verse with one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3.16. Because we can't just lay out a platform that's half-built. There's the fact that we've offended God, but there's also the huge fact, and a lot of times we gloss over John 3.16. We've heard it so many times. If, you've, if, you're, if you're a guy or a girl, you've been to Forever 21. It's that hip little clothing store and stuff like that. They now have guy stuff that's really cheap, which is good. Because I'm always jealous of all the deals that girls get. I mean, I'm not going to go out and wear girls' clothes, but I'm like, man, this is unfair. On the bottom of the bag, one of the first things I ever saw. When I first started coming to church, I didn't read the Bible at all. But when I went to Forever 21 with my wife, girlfriend at the time, I look at the bottom of the bag because my question is, I had just joined Surge as a leader, and, and we sat down for the very first meeting, and everyone's going about saying what they read in the Bible. And when it got to my turn, I was like, I don't read the Bible. I read like what Pastor Ralph read during the teaching last week, and is that enough? And it's like, no. Wow, okay, so I need to read the Bible more. Yeah. And so my, my prayer throughout the week was, God, give me some verse to read. I got I to gotta interact with you. I got to interact with your word. And we go to Forever 21, and on the bottom of the bag says John 3.16. I look at that, I go, wow, that seems like a Bible thingy. I got to better, better go look it up. And so nowadays, like, it's everywhere. We know it. I mean, a lot of you grew up in children's church and you memorized it. And, and what we've created John 3.16 to be, although it's one of the most foundational verses and it's everything, wraps the, it's like the gospel wrapped in like wrapping. Um, <laughs> what it is, what we created it is into a commercial that's overrun and overrun and overrun. We kind of gloss over it. We forget how powerful the words really are. So I want you to, I want you to lay your eyes on John 3.16. It says this, for God loved the world so much. What did he do to the world? Loved it. That's a good answer, too. (laughs) He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone, everyone say everyone, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. God enacted the greatest rescue plan known to creation. Talk about a defib to life. You know those little paddles that you you resuscitate something that's dead? Uh, Their heart stops beating. You know, they always show it in the shows and like movies. It's like God did that for the world because um, there's that song that we sung tonight where it says, um, here I go again. 
messing up the lyrics. Uh, you know, we're talking about being hopeless. Like, oh, shoot. It was in my mind before the service. Say again? Ah, yes. Hope now stands renewed. See, do you know what was hopeless before? You. You were hopeless before Jesus. Even before you, cre- you were created, you were hopeless. There was no hope in you redeeming yourself. But when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that hope was renewed. You were renewed. And so as we sing that song, we really got really to realize that the songs, the words that we sing, aren't just words. That as we sing these words, we're declaring that I was renewed. There was like, I was dead before you, Jesus. Life had no meaning before you. And when Jesus died on the cross, even before we existed, when we believe in him, he restores that hope. He says, you were dead before, but you're, now you're alive. You were an old normal, now you're a new normal. You are a new creation. You're absolutely new. And so when I read these words, I'm like, Jesus, as I pair that, I realize, God, I, I've done some things that absolutely offend you. Sometimes we get stuck in our mindset, right? That, oh, I don't, I don't get what I deserve. You know what we all don't deserve? Separation from God. Isn't that crazy to think that we deserve separation from God, but instead God says, no, here's a better plan. Here's a rescue plan for you. I'm sending my son, and now you get what you don't deserve, and that's heaven and eternal life. You get what you don't deserve. And as we, as we look at this verse tonight, and as we get all this and we, we, we set that up, I want you to turn to James chapter 4. I want you to, throughout the night, just be thinking of those, those verses that we just read, that we have, we've offended God, but somehow he, res- he rescued us. He saves us. And although he rescued and saved us, we deal with sin in our life. It's like this shadow that you can't get rid of. It is temptation. When I first became a Christian, uh, my mini church uh, pastor said this. He said, you know, Christians get tempted. Sin is just sin. It's not a cut against anyone who's not a Christian. It's just a mere fact. You know, when I, and I looked back at my life, I said, can I agree with that statement? And I looked back at my life, I said, yeah, I didn't really grasp what God says is right and, what, and how that differed from what I thought was right. It was just, go for it. If it makes you happy, go for it. So I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, when I was a sinner, I just sinned. It didn't matter. But see, as a Christian, now I'm trying to live this new life for God, and I'm trying to walk with God, and then there's temptation. And sometimes sin creeps up, right? And it holds you back. See, before you're a Christian, sin sin separates you from God. As a Christian, it is like a dead weight, and it just merely holds you back from reaching your potential and doing what God's called you to do. And I just think about that. I'm like, God, I want to shed all the stuff that's just the weight in my life, Lord. Don't let me be judgmental. Don't let me struggle with this. Just shed all this off of me. I want to run with you, God. I want to run with you as fast as I possibly can run. And um, so let's look at James chapter 4. It says this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war, take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. 
You want only what will give you pleasure. Everyone say that word, pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that your friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. Several things I want to point out here is, is this. Is that as I read this verse, I feel the sting of conviction. I see the things, that I, the things in my mind that I do wrong come, pop, pop right in there. I feel the sting of conviction, but at the same time, because of that, that verse, John 3.16, I feel the overwhelming flow of grace. I realize that as I look at this, I'm like, God, there are things that i got to work on. But amidst it all, you love me. So today I was lying in my bed, and I was just like kind of preparing the teaching. And um, I wasn't napping, but I was just like thinking about it. I'm like, God, what do you really want people to know? As we struggle with temptation, as we, as we stumble and fall sometimes, God, what do, you, what do you want us to know? What do you want us to really chew on? He said, love. People forget that I love them so much. They forget that I love them so much. When they've fallen, all they think, all they look at is how they've fallen. Rather than how much I want to hold them. I just want to pick them up. See, you parents, you ever have a kid come running towards you and they just fall down? Well, I did. But not me. I, I was the one who fell down. I was, when I was a little kid, I wanted to see how fast my feet could move to run. And so we got out of my, my parents' car. My parents were ahead of me. I, I, let them, I let them trail a little bit ahead because I wanted to catch up. So I just started running. And it's like, I'm just looking at my feet. I'm just looking at my feet and not where I was supposed to go, but I was just looking at my feet because I was like, look at that blur. I am like the flash, except Filipino. And I just, my feet were just like, and I was like, oh my gosh. And then I went straight into my dad's back boom, and I just hit his back, and I flew backwards, and my dad just starts laughing, right? Because, because in his mind, it's like a cartoon. It's just like, you know, and, and he starts laughing, and I just start crying and crying, and then, and then um, I'm, I'm just focusing so much on the pain, and I don't realize my parents are down there with me, and they're picking me up. And so much of our life, when we fall, we focus on the pain. We focus on, on what things look like. We look at the aftermath of it all. We're like, oh my gosh, look at all this mess that I've created. But we, we, we lose sight of just the fact that God says, God says, love. I want them to know how much I love them. I want them to know just exactly how much. I want them to look at the cross and see just the love. I want my kids to know that amidst all their flaws, there is this overwhelming sense of love. And then we look at this verse, and it's like it's talking about pleasure. It's talking about what, how, how we see things. And the truth is, is that sin and temptation in this life, we want it to because it somehow fulfills a pleasure. But the thing is, the truth is this, is that that pleasure is short-lived. Imitations are never as good as the original. You know, you buy a cheap imitation something, and, and then you realize, wow, it's not as good as the real thing. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted a super soaker. Does anybody remember super soakers? Are they still around? 
I wanted a Super Soaker 30. It was like a nice modest size, you know, it still had the pump, but it wasn't like the Super Soaker 100 or the 50 because I didn't need that much water. I figured I'm like a ninja, look at how fast my feet go. I don't really need a lot of ammo. I'll just like, I'll be in, I'll be out. And so on my birthday, I wanted that. I, I, I told my parents, I want, I want the Super Soaker 30. And what they did is they got me this cheapo thing. In hindsight, it wasn't that cheap. I mean, it was like this fully automatic, like, squirt gun that went, and then, uh, but I, but because it was an imitation in my mind, I treated it as such. So one day I found this muddy puddle, and I go ahead and I take out the, the safety cap, and I just stick the gun in the water, muddy puddle, and because I don't really care for it because it's the imitation, and then it just, like, I started shooting my cousin with it, and, um, and then it broke. But see, the thing is, is that it was an imitation and it wasn't as good as the, the original. You know, I wanted the thing. See, in this life, we've experienced God's love and we know exactly how precious and how awesome it is, but we settle for the thing we esteem higher than His. But you're, we're fooled. Amen? We're fooled. We, we, and, we, and we grasp on and we're just like, oh, let's go for it. Ah, and the next thing you know, oh, wow, that really didn't bring me any pleasure at all. I forgot, I lost track. All I'm doing is looking at my feet, not where I'm going. And we get stuck there. But God's calling us on stuff, and he says, you know, in this verse, it's, you can look at it as very harsh, but you can look at it and, and say, wow, that's me. So how, how does God describe our relationship with him? Does anyone know? We are the what of Christ? Bride. Hard pill to swallow as a guy, but... There you are in shimmering white. Um, we're the bride of Christ. As, as, as the church, we're the bride of Christ. And when we settle for anything less, we then become an adulterer. Because we're cheating on God. That's a hard thing to think of. Like, wow, God, wow, I, I, I kind of do that a lot. You know, whether it's big or small, cheating on God. I don't want to be that. And it calls us on that. But at the same time, at the very end, it says, God favors the humble. And he calls us on something. He calls us on being a friend of the world, okay? I'm not talking about as we go into the world and as we do our Thanksgiving outreach, it's someone says, well, you can't be the friend of the world. So every scoop of mashed potato, you slap it down with anger because you can't be the friend of them. Like, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about really being so enraptured and just... just um. I'm using the wrong word, um, entwined with the ways of the world. See, when I was younger, and I wasn't a Christian yet, what I thought, I, I, here was my mindset. If I'm not hurting anyone, it's okay. Anybody else say that to yourself before? Okay, good, I'm not the only one. As long as I'm not hurting anyone, it's okay. But the truth is, is there's a God who created us, and when we don't, do what God wants, when we, when we don't follow Him, when we don't love Him, when we don't love His people, guess who we're hurting? Him. So that, that really doesn't hold any weight. As long as I'm not hurting anyone, we're hurting God. It says, don't grieve the Spirit. Hurting God. I want to be someone who builds up God. I want to be someone who blesses God. I want my life to be worship to Him. It's not just the worship and praise as we're in, this, in the front row or in, the, in whatever, or just on a worship night, I lift my hands to Him. No, no, no. Life should be worship to God. 
The way I live should be worship to Him. The way I live should be a sweet-smelling scent to Him. Amen? Now look at this at the very bottom. God opposes the proud but favors the humble. You're going to occur, this, this word is going to occur a lot. Um, and why humility is so important on conquering sin is this, is that humility is not about yourself. It's not about your selfishness. It's not about your own pleasures. To really be humble is to, is to be about other people. It's, it's not about your self-promotion. And, and God says this many times, humble yourself. And so I want you to, uh, if you've got a Bible like mine, uh, turn to James chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, This is like the blueprints of how to conquer sin in your life, how to conquer temptation. And it says this, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Other versions say, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. And it goes on, it says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Now, as we look at this verse in its whole entirety, we're like, wait, doom, gloom, tears, bummer. So let's break it apart. In the very first uh, verses, it's talking about how to resist. It says, so humble yourselves. Number one, humble yourselves before God. See, what I used to think humble was, and God kind of revealed this to me today. What I used to think when it says, humble yourself before God, I thought it was just realizing that you're wrong and repenting. Just realize you're wrong and repent. Humble yourself, you know. But that's an inaccurate image of what God is all about. His character is of love, right? And so it's not really like bow down, like get down right now and know you're wrong. And repent. See, when it says humble yourself, it's talking about realizing that your way is not the best way. So as temptation comes your way, the ways in which you go about things to resist, the ways that you think will succeed, is not how God would do things. Unless you're already doing things the way God wants. So humble yourself. So as we're staring temptation in the face, well, God, what do you ask to do? Humble yourself before me. Pray. Seek me. Know who I've called you to be and don't forget that. Humble yourself before God. That's a very different image than just know you're wrong and repent. It's, no, follow me. This is where we're going. This is where I'm taking you. Don't lose sight. Don't pay attention to that right now. Come, this is where we're going. We're going places. You and me. I love you. So humble yourself before God. The next thing, resist. Number two, resist the enemy. And the results are amazing. To resist the temptation that's staring right in front of you. You humble yourself. Lord, there's something that I'm just getting tempted with right now. God, I need your help. I need you. You're greater than me. Lord, give me your strength. Give me the will to resist. And as you resist, guess who goes running? The enemy. And God stirs up in us this new sense of, wow, Lord, you're calling me for greater. He, it says he renews our strength. 
And so as, I, as we humble ourselves and we resist, the enemy runs from us. And the last thing, I love this. Verse 8, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. See, even when you don't feel forgiven, Frank, come to me. I'll draw near you. Even when you don't feel like you're, you're worthy of coming before me, you do things my way. Come, I want to hold you. I want to hug you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. See, we drag things out all the time, right? And uh, we, we allow ourselves um, to just wallow. But you know what wallowing does? It's just not trusting God that he's already forgiven you for the things that you've repented for. When we mess up, the Bible says, repent, repent quick. And after that, realize, realize that you're forgiven. Move on. See, a lot of times when I, when I started coming to church, people would say, well, don't rely on feeling. And I thought that it was only about, even when you don't feel God, he's there. But the truth is, it, it, it pours in other ways. Is that when we mess up, do you ever, like, when you feel guilt on your shoulders, that's a heavy weight on you. And sometimes it feels like that weight doesn't go away. But you've got to realize that when God says, I forgive you, he means, I forgive you. There's no trusting anything else. Amen? It's that, that's what God's saying, and so that's the way we should live. But the other thing is, and in verse 9, it continues, and it says, let there be tears, yeah, let there be brokenness. Let, them be, let there be brokenness over what you've done. Like, when I, when I teased that old lady, man, there was, I didn't bust out crying, you know, and it wasn't, like, oh, you know, but, but there inside me in my heart, I was like, ah, oh, I feel that. Huh. God, break me of that. There's, a, there's, there's, let yourself feel that brokenness. That's important. Feel that brokenness. Let God rebuild you. But don't misinterpret grace for sin take, taken lightly. See, God doesn't take sin lightly, but he does forgive in abundance. Amen? I want to... Um, get you to just look at some verses just to kind of hammer home that when you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Verse 10 says this. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Does it say he might lift you up in honor? No, absolutely not. It says he will lift you up in honor. Um, Psalm 103 uh, verses 11 and 12 says this, for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. It's like the writer was just taking God's words and it's like, God, how can we, how can, how can I put down in writing how far our sins from us? When we repent to you, God, how far are sins from you? East is from the west. What a perfect description. When I forgive you, your sins aren't even close to you anymore. So when you think you can't approach me, no, you can. Because your sins are as far from me and as far from you as the east is from the west. Another verse that, that just hammers that home, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. It says this. It says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. I love that. Let's settle this. Once and for all. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Man. I look at those words and I know exactly how scarlet I was. You know how scarlet you were. 
you might be looking at this afternoon or today and you might go like, man, I scarleted my, my, my life right now. It's like, it's like maroon, Frank. That doesn't change. God still makes you as white as snow. The only change that occurs is you. And God, God transforms you. God loves you. There's no measure to His love. There's no measure to how much He esteems you or who He's calling you to be. What an awesome God we worship. That's, that's just, that I'm just, I'm just blown away by that. God, I wouldn't forgive me. Uh, it's a good thing you're not in charge, Frank. <laughs> so, see, I look at these words and I just, it, it hits me. It hits me just, I hope it hits you guys too. I hope that as we read these words, you realize one thing tonight. Is that, yeah, it's going to be a struggle, and yeah, it's going to be hard times fighting temptation sometimes, but know this. I tell my kids this. Um, uh, I, have, I have some kids that, that uh, were dealing with pornography before. Kind of a weird thing to, to confess, but I used to deal with that. It's a hard thing to, to mention because, because there's a lot of... Uh, uh, stigma about it and stuff. And, and so my kids said, well, how, what do you do? Like, how do you stop? And I said, you know what? Stop looking at it as just a specific sin. Instead, look at it as just sin. How do you stop sin? See, the goal that the enemy has for sin in your life isn't that you mess up and you go, oops, ah, I did it again. No, it's the separation that you feel from God. Why? Because if he can take out your relationship with God... He's taking you out. And if he takes you out, there are numbers of people behind you that you're supposed to reach. And if he takes you out, he reaches more. And if he takes you out, he reaches them, and then he reaches even more people. So the goal that the enemy has in mind is that separation that, that, that he wants to create between you and God. But God combats that by saying this. And so I told my kids this. I said, you know what? When you mess up, you repent. And you repent right then and there. And you move on. You gotta move on. You gotta move on because God's already moved on. God's already going places. You gotta catch up and you gotta go with Him too. Amen? Amen? And so as I look at this, I'm like, God, see, I know how crimson I was. But God, you bring victory. I knew what I was addicted to in life. I knew what substances I really enjoyed in life. I knew what I put on the pedestal before God in my life. But I know this, is that throughout the entire, throughout my existence, and still throughout the rest of my existence, I'm a work in progress, and I'm a masterpiece. God declares us all a masterpiece. Amen? See, the cool thing about God is He's not, he's not an artist that just makes the beautiful piece and walks away, lets it get dusty. No, that masterpiece is cared for every single time. It is constantly cleaned. It is constantly, constantly perfected. I love that, God. Amen. You're a good God. See, Jesus, is, Jesus was the best rescue plan that you can ever imagine. Greatest bleach in the world. Amen. I want to close with this. Um... The verses continue on. It says, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. 
It's talk, when it's talking about law, it's not talking about Mosaic law. It's not talking about just the Old Testament law. It's like this whole thing, this whole thing. When Jesus says, love others as yourself, when Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and, and, and everything you got, every ounce of you, when, it, when it's talking about loving, loving fellow believers, when it's talking about uh, loving people who don't know God yet, this is, this is the law. This is what it's talking about. See, guys, this, this book is not just a book. It's the word of God. And so when he says, don't, don't just pick and choose, don't just look at it and go, well, this one applies to me and that one doesn't. No, this, is, this all applies. And so as you read this and you look at it, it's talking about, it goes on, don't just pick and choose. Don't, don't just judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? It's talking about bickering within the family. See, James is talking about Christians. He's talking about them bickering with each other, judging each other, saying evil things. This is far different from holding each other accountable. It's one of the best things I love about coming to a church and being part of a church body is the accountability that occurs. How are you living in your life right now? Uh, I need help here. Pray for me here. You know, there's so many different things that as we come together as a family, we're held accountable for. And see, that's not judging. Held accountable is making sure you're walking in a straight path. If I tell Tate to come up here and I say, Tate, keep me on a straight line, and I start to go like this, he goes, whoa, hey, 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 hey. Right? Yeah. Tate's got a little voice, big manly, burly voice. And so, so as I try to walk a straight line, I start to veer off path. Someone keeping me accountable redirects me. So what is the difference between redirecting and judging? I can redirect someone. You know, if I told Tate to stand up here and he starts going crooked, I just, hey, you're going crooked. Slap his head, be like, hey, dummy, you're going crooked. Stupid. See, the, 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 the evil words that come out, it does a, does a whole lot different. And um, I, was looking on, uh, I was looking at this verse, and I'm like, God, what are, you, what are you saying? He's saying, people are supposed to know my believers by the way they love each other. But more than that, Frank, my believers, it says, if you love me, obey my commands. Yes, this life is full of of trials, but it is worth it. I've heard once before, and it just sums it up perfectly. If you want an easygoing, nothing to worry about life, don't be a Christian. But if you want a life that is full and complete, follow Jesus. If I can leave you with one thing tonight is that you keep on charging forward. Stop looking at the imperfections of you and start looking at the perfection of God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Him. Because God is good all the time. Father God, tonight, I lift up the words that were said. It's usually my nature, God, and it's usually my nature to be jokey and funny up here. But Lord, this is, this is a message that just needs, just needs you to communicate that to us, God. There's things in our life that, that we need to iron out, but we cannot do it alone. We cannot do it the way that we, we want to. Or we need your wisdom. We need to stop 
hating on ourselves and we start need to just start moving on and know that we are loved by you and that we're called to great things. God, I pray that, that as people walk out of here tonight, Lord, that, that there's that the sense of just overwhelming grace on our lives is just that that's really what, what needs to be the forefront, Lord. Lord, when we deal with things in our life, when we deal with things that get us off track, Lord, it is my prayer, Jesus, that you will adjust us. Lord, it's my prayer that we'll set aside our way of doing things that has not worked, that we humble ourselves before you. Lord, even if that means us getting on our knees and just praying, Lord, asking you for help, Lord, bleach us of all the stains that we've put on our life. Let us walk in your glory and your mercy and your love. Everyone keep your eyes closed, head bowed. If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart and you want to do that tonight, if you want to be washed clean for the first time in your life, I want to give you that opportunity. And the Bible says when we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we're saved. This isn't a one-time deal where you just say it and, and, well, got that off my checklist. No. When it says confess with your mouth, it's talking about constantly just being a confession of your faith throughout your entire life. Is that you give your life to Jesus. And that you experience how full life can really be. I want you to know that God loves you. So if you want to say a prayer with me that just says, Jesus, I'm choosing to believe in you tonight. I'm choosing to dedicate this life to you. If you want to do that, I just want you to raise your hand and look up at me. So I'm just going to count to three and clap my hands and Oh, I already got two people. All right, might as well just do it. Okay, all right, anybody else? I got two people. Three, four. Anyone else? Anyone else tonight? Four. Okay, I'm looking around the room. All right. You four, we're going to pray this prayer right now. And I want you to just tag along my words. We're going to say it out loud, but so that you're not nervous, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get our brothers and sisters just to pray with us. If you're not a Christian yet and you didn't sign up to say a prayer that you don't, you didn't want to pray, that's cool. Just sit right where you were at. But just pray these words along with me, okay, you four. Lord God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your rescue plan that you sent for me. I'm choosing to give this life to you for the rest of my days. Holy Spirit, fill me. Overflow me. Father, Give me more wisdom. And Jesus, thank you. In your name, amen. Let's give those people a hand. Thank you.